Hi, it's Dwyer. It is June 5th, 2022. com free site. Bettingangle.us, a free site. For podcasts, DwyerBoxingNews.com, a free site. Remember, <clears throat> the opinion you should follow should be your own. Just consider this video to be a second opinion from a complete stranger online. Now let's talk about Devin Haney taking a huge risk. I thought he was going to fail. A huge risk going to Australia to fight George Gambosis for the undisputed lightweight championship. Now first, let me just say who had the best night, and Devin Haney had a magnificent night. But I need to issue the first Dwyer Broadcasting Award to Joe Tessitore. Right? Let's view boxing as a village. A lot of people were involved in this presentation. If you hung around the broadcast after the fight ended, you heard Joe Tessitore start to question George Cambosis' talent level. Right? He started to talk about past fights. And he talked about how Cambosis won some past fights, the Teofimo Lopez fight, by split decision. He also talked about the fact that Teofimo Lopez was having some physical problems before the fight, right? The idea was that Cambosis, who had just lost the Devin Haney, had just been undressed. It's worse than a normal loss. He was undressed by Devin Haney, right? As you watch the fight, you thought Cambosis has to do something, and there just wasn't the horsepower there in the tank. Now, I think Cambosis could have done better. We'll talk about that. I'm more bullish on Cambosis than Joe Tessitore is. But I got to tell you, I was so impressed. Tessitore was so outside the box that his partner, Tim Bradley, and Mark Kriegel basically said, hey, let's not go there. Bradley said, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. And, and Tessitore continued. Now, there was an older broadcaster when I was a kid. He's still a hero of mine, right? He's one of the gold standards. A guy named Howard Cosell in the 1970s. And Cosell said that his game plan was always to, in his words, really Aaron Neville's words, if you're into music, um, Cosell would say he was there to tell it like it is. Right? Tell it like it is. Now, just to understand, <clears throat> Cambosis is promoted by Lou DiBella. Um, they have a deal with Top Rank, right? Top Rank, of course, is also going to be uh, through ESPN. In other words, major players, ESPN Plus, is going to be televising uh, Devin Haney's fights. In other words, Tessitore was criticizing openly one of the bell cows of that economic ecosystem on a telecast from Australia where Cambosis had just suffered his first loss. And Tessitore was critiquing Cambosis's biggest moments in the ring. Folks, 
it, it it's award worthy. I'm making up a Dwyer Broadcasting Award because I really think you need to listen to Tessator during the fight and then listen to him after the fight. Magnificent commentary. This is above and beyond. He deserves a wow here. Let's talk about the fight. I'm just going to jump through some themes. Big mistake by Cambosis early. Right? I've seen it in other fights when Gervonta Davis went to the UK. When you have gotten a well-known opponent to travel to your country, and when your country has turned out for you, right, folks, the crowd was hyped. You sensed it as the guys entered the ring. You had the crowd fully behind George Cambosis, fully, right? When the fight starts, in my opinion, in that first round, you have to set the tone if you're the home country fighter, if you're the fan favorite, and Cambosis clearly is at the start of the fight. If you're the fan favorite, if the crowd's behind you, you need to give them something in that first round. You need to give the judges something in that first round, right? The judges are already, in my opinion, and I know these were highly credible judges, but the judges are humans too. They're swayed by public sentiment, right? You need to let the judges know, look, I'm going to make this easy on you. I'm going to give you something. You cannot let a boxing match break out in the first round against a boxer, against a mover. You just can't. The first round has to have, for at least a portion of it, a fight breakout. <clears throat> now here's George Cambosis. You remember his first round against Teofimo Lopez. <clears throat> he gets knocked down gets off the canvas, is upset, and then decides to throw down some of the best boxing of his career. Let's us know, look, man, it's not going to be a quick night. Right? He knocked me down. I give him credit. I'm right back at him. Here he's fighting a guy you can't even punch like Teofimo Lopez. Let's be clear here. Devin Haney has a lot of skills. He's the man now at 135 but he's not a puncher. So Cambosis, that first round, in my opinion, needed to, what I call, walk through Devin Haney's back foot. There needed to be a portion of that first round where George Cambosis imposed himself physically on Devin Haney. Right? I've noticed with some big punchers. And I'm not saying Cambosis himself is a big puncher, on par with the guys I'm going to name. Canelo, David Hay. I've noticed with big punchers, even when they're fighting some defensive guy who has his head hidden and who has a shoulder in the way and who knows how to move back like Devin Haney moves back, a Canelo will step forward and will just throw big shots. Right? The shots don't even have to land. 
It's just big shots to remind you. Our guy is going for it. We came out here to see Canelo, and he's not going to be bashful tonight. Right? Big shots. You know, Cambosa should have walked forward. Should have thought to himself, okay, I'm going to have an exchange happen. But I need to get to Devin Haney, and I need to throw a couple of huge shots. Whether they land, whether they're effective or not, I need to show this crowd that I'm hot tonight, that this is going to be a hot fight, that it's not going to be a chess match, that this guy has traveled to our country to get his butt kicked, that I'm going to do my damnedest to land some big shots. Now, don't get me wrong. Cambosis could have had a chess game planned. Right, Cambosis could have had certain pieces he wanted to move. Patience could have been part of his game. But in the first two rounds, definitely the first round of a fight where the crowd is hyped, it's their moment, the spotlight's on the country, right? You've had Lucas Brown upset Junior Fa on the undercard for crying out loud. The crowd is totally buzzing. You've got to keep the buzz going as long as possible. Now, if you don't have the gifts of a Manny Pacquiao, and he's another guy who Pacquiao fans would show up to the arena and then Pacquiao fast starter would jump out. You'd be seeing hand speed. So if you were a Pacquiao supporter, you were totally into the fight. Right? If you were a judge and you sensed the crowds of Pacquiao crowd and then Pacquiao comes in and he's flashing hand speed, you're going to say, okay, this is a Pacquiao crowd, right? Obviously, the crowd is going to cheer whenever the punches come within 12 inches. George Cambos is here against a guy without a big punch. Let's a boxing match break out from the opening bell. In other words... I'm there from Melbourne. I go to the stadium. My unbeaten fighter is hosting the biggest fight at lightweight. Right? My buddies are in from out of town, Perth, Sydney, wherever. We're there all hyped up. The undercard has delivered. We're all hyped up. We know Devin Haney isn't a big puncher. We know the sports books have made our guy a huge underdog. Folks, shortly before the bet, I was able to get a plus 170 on George Cambosis. Right? Understand, anything above a plus 150 is giving your fighter less than a 40% chance of winning the fight. Because of the betting spread, because of the location of the fight, I thought Cambosis was a stunning value, right? I lost on this fight. Let's be clear about that. Well, at least that part of it, I did have the over because I knew Devin Haney, not a big puncher. Cambosis, quite frankly, not a big puncher. But Cambosis loses the crowd by the fourth round. The crowd you hear in the first 
round where everyone's like hype. They even have fire in the crowd, right? These little fire torch things, you know, and you're like, oh, this, you know, people are milling around. They show you Jeff Horn on the, you know, big screen. You understand, oh, the people are out for this. By the time the fourth round comes, you've seen Devin Haney putting on an exhibition. Right, Cambosis is operating too gingerly. Right, he has taken the crowd out of the fight as much as Devin Haney has. Right, one of the rules of boxing has to be, hey, if you're fighting in my backyard, I'm going to let you know early that you're from out of town. The people watching the fight in my backyard are going to know you're from out of town. Right, even if a chess match is what you have planned for later in the fight, the first round, when you're fighting a lighter punching guy, there should be a segment of that. You could save it for the last 30 seconds of the first round if you want to reduce risk, but you've got to let your hands go. Here, George Cambosis was channeling Anthony Joshua against Usyk. He's out there trying to outbox Devin Haney. He's tentative. He's playing chess from the opening bell. He wastes the crowd's energy. The whole purpose of jumping on the George Cambosa side was, in fact, the venue. His ability, plus the fact that the fight was in his backyard. I thought his fight style, whoever told him to come out and try to outbox his opponent and stuff like that, just dissipated it. Took the crowd out of the fight. Let's talk about the um, mechanics, too, of the fight. You know, in the Teofimo-Lopez fight, Lopez, who has a Philly shell, right, has his shoulder in the way, tries to lean back from the punch that knocks him down. But you notice that Cambosis has ring coverage on that right hand, right? That right hand can actually travel. So Teofimo leaning back still gets hit with the shot and goes down. But here you had a different dynamic. Because here you had Devin Haney with great legs. In other words, Haney comes in, has an excellent jab. It's a mobile jab. Right? He can move while throwing it. It's not the stay still jab that Teofimo Lopez has. It's a mobile jab. So Haney's just coming into the pocket, hitting with the jab. Then as he leans back, his legs are part of his defense. He's also moving back. Cambosis can't time the movement. Cambosis's right hand is taken out of this match by Devin Haney's jab, right? Both are right-handed. Devin Haney's throwing a left jab, right, on the same side as Cambosis's straight right hand. Right? And Devin Haney has the timing down where he's able to throw that jab and then he's able to 
literally, not just lean back, but move back. Haney gets in rhythm. About the middle of the second round, he has the timing down. Cambosis may have never gotten in rhythm. Right, Cambosis's right hand is neutralized by Haney's jab and Haney's movement. Now, this is a bit of a Larry Holmes type of situation, right? We've said it here before on this YouTube boxing channel. During the Larry Holmes era, the fight did not start until you figured out a way to get by his jab. As an aside, that's going to be the open question for the Trevor Bryan, Daniel Dubois upcoming heavyweight championship match. Right? Dubois had a problem with Joe Joyce's jab. Couldn't get by it. That fight never started. Right? The question is, can Dubois get by Trevor Bryan's jab? And Trevor Bryan, not taking any chances, even had Larry Holmes into his camp. Right? And it's a timing thing. In other words, the guys who can get by a jab have the timing where they know how to jump in early or how to jump in after you've thrown your jab. Now, here on the telecast, Timothy Bradley had a great match. I thought he was excellent on the telecast. I watched this on ESPN Plus in the United States. If you're in another country and you had another group of broadcasters, good for you. I'm just telling you Joe Tessitore was award-worthy, right? Not to rule out Mark Kriegel, who was excellent too. But Timothy Bradley made the point that if he were Devin Haney, and understand Bradley was, you know, right among the very best in the sport for several years. Bradley said if he were Devin Haney, he would be first and he would be last. So Devin Haney makes it a habit, right? Haney clearly had that as part of his game plan, quite frankly, because Devin Haney is first the whole match with that jab. He's the one dictating the rhythm on George Cambosis's right side. Cambosis's straight right hand completely taken out of the fight, right? Haney is keeping him busy. Cambosis has to defend himself on that side. Haney has the legs where even when he's in the pocket at the beginning of the exchange and Haney knows how to shift body weights, you'll notice he's not a puncher, but he's a guy who will stand there and he'll move like this. You can't quite get the timing on him. Then he'll flick a jab. He's the one who starts most of the exchanges and then, of course, when Cambosis gets going, Haney would move out of the pocket. Then after Cambosis ran out of gas, Haney would re-enter the pocket and end the exchange with a jab. Folks, this fight never gets started. I know they went 12 rounds. This fight never gets started because Cambosis, as I make this video, still doesn't have any clue on how to deal with Haney's jab, Haney's timing, Haney's entry into the pocket and exit from the pocket. Right, the jab dominated this fight, just like it did Joe Joyce against Dubois. Right, 
Cambosis can't get out of his construct. He can't make a deal with himself against the guy without a big punch to bum rush the pocket, take the risk of getting hit with some shots so he could get inside and land his. Cambosis also is too stiff in the hip area so he couldn't bob and weave. This isn't a Joe Fraser type guy. This isn't the guy who's coming in and who's, you know, at some angle and is trying to, you know, dip under the jab. This isn't Rocky Marciano. This is a guy who's stiff compared to Devin Haney. So Haney, of course, is also mindful of Cambosis's left hook. So Haney is throwing straight right hands on occasion just to throw Cambosis's timing off in throwing his left hook. So Cambosis's left hook is taken out of the fight. Right, Cambosis does have some success later in trying to go to Haney's body. But understand, Haney's foot speed is much better than Cambosis's. So Haney stays off the ropes. When you're watching the fight, don't just go by what you're seeing. Also appreciate what you're not seeing. You're not seeing Cambosis in Australia pin Devin Haney on the ropes and then go to town. Haney is skillfully staying off the ropes. He is controlling distance, not Cambosis. Cambosis, and again, it's a rhythm thing, can't break rhythm to just run up to Haney, who's not a knockout puncher. Right? I would understand being tentative from the outside if you're facing some heavy puncher, Anthony Joshua. Right? You might say, okay, uh, you know, if I rush in here, I might get, you know, KO'd big time. Right? So I'm going to be out here and I'm going to be playing chess. Okay. What's the excuse when you're fighting a Devin Haney who doesn't have the big punch? Let me also go one step further. 135 and 130. Can we agree that the guy's on top right now, right? And they're all connected to top rank in some way, shape, or form. So there's no excuse for the guys not to fight each other. But Cambosis, not that big a punch. Haney, not that big a punch. Lomachenko, not that big a punch. Shakur Stevenson, not that big a punch. Folks, you're going to see a lot of boxing at 135, right? This is not 147, where Terrence Crawford, don't let the calm demeanor fool you, right? Terrence Crawford is one of boxing's premier closers. Errol Spence just did the unthinkable and stopped Ugas, who's a defensive master. Jaron Ennis, Virgil Ortiz, folks, Green Machine, 147, you better have a punch. 135, it's more about timing, rhythm, game plan, skills. 
there's no reason at 135, in my opinion, particularly if you're losing a fight like Cambosis is, and that was obvious by the middle rounds. There's no reason why any of the guys at 135 shouldn't throw caution to the wind and try to be hyper-aggressive in a fight in which they're being strategically outboxed. George Cambosis should have realized, look, I cannot deal with this guy's jab. So if I'm going to win this fight, I'm going to have to take some jabs on the way in. This guy doesn't hit like Jaron Ennis. This guy doesn't hit like Virgil Ortiz. Right? This guy's not the closer. Terrence Crawford is. I need to bum rush the show here. He didn't. He lost the fight badly. Right? Let's just say after eight rounds, I had the fight six rounds to two. So, in my mind, you know, after that, I stopped scoring it on a round-for-round -round basis. I thought, okay, Haney's ahead by four rounds. So either Cambosa suddenly starts channeling Kell Brook, and we get Kell Brook's annihilation of Amir Khan. In other words, for Cambosis to get back in the fight, he needed to just put down six rounds, excuse me, four rounds after that, where he's just completely dominant. You don't even have to look at your scorecard. You know it when you see it. Or he needed at least a couple of knockdowns. Right? Think Deontay Wilder against Tyson Fury. Right? Without total domination or knockdowns, you understood that there was no way for Devin Haney to lose this fight if he continued winning rounds. And folks, he continued winning rounds. I thought Devin Haney closed the show very well. Right? This is after already having six rounds in the bank by the start of the ninth round. I thought Cambosis had no plan B. Right? Devin Haney's moving away. Cambosis is playing too much chess. The crowd's lost interest. They, they show you the crowd later in the fight, and everyone's just looking. You know, there's no fire there. No fire. After the crowd started the fight on fire. I blame Cambosis for that. Right? So a couple of takeaways from this fight. You know, Haney really has an easy rematch, doesn't he? Haney gave Cambosis opportunities. Let's talk about what Cambosis could have done differently. Right? Haney, at times, is ducking under Cambosis' shots and is right in the pocket, right in front of him. Think Billy Joe Saunders against Canelo. Now, a Canelo would see that pattern and would have an uppercut ready. So the next time the mover is ducking, you know, in the pocket, put it this way, Haney ducks so much in the pocket that you'll notice in the early rounds 
The two fighters get tangled up and Cambosis has Haney in headlocks. Literally, he's able to get Haney's head under his armpit multiple times. Right, Cambosis, in fact, is trying to put his weight on the back of Haney's neck. Player, you should have been throwing uppercuts. If you couldn't get past Haney's jab, if Haney is too elusive, then the few times in the fight when Haney bends in the pocket, you needed to throw an uppercut. Right, also, Cambosis needs to make a deal with himself. Where he says, okay, when I'm 100%, I'm prepared to get knocked down. You have to rush in, close the distance. Try to land some punches. Try to make this an ugly fight. Right? If Haney catches you with a good counter, if you walk into something Haney's throwing, you need to be prepared to go down and then to get off the canvas. Because the one thing I can guarantee you is that if you stay outside, you're going to lose the next fight, like you lost this fight. Let me just say, too, and I'm being charitable. Given the wide margins of the judges, understand two of the judges had it wrong. You saw the fight. Do you think George Cambosis won four rounds? I don't. If you do, tell us which four rounds they were. Two of the judges had it 8-4. Right, folks, that's 8-4 with home country cooking. <laughs> Understand, if, if this fight were at Barclays Center, there's no way Cambosis gets four rounds. Right, folks, Cambosis was dominated. So the two takeaways are, you know, Cambosis needs to figure out how to close the distance and throw uppercuts how to get close enough to Haney where he can push Haney around, push him toward the ropes. I know that's on the edge of the rules. But Cambosis needs to make the fight rough and tumble. If it's not a fight, if it's a boxing match, he's going to lose. And he's only going to win two or three rounds, legitimately, in the fight. That's the first takeaway. Right? The... Um, Well, you know what? I forgot my second takeaway. Such is live video. <laughs> but let's just say Devin Haney in the rematch, it looks like an easy fight to me. Right? So Devin Haney is the huge winner. He took the huge risk. He went to another man's backyard. And now we understand stylistically, it just doesn't match up for George Gambosis. Right? Pointing that out, as Joe Tessitore tried to on the telecast, will be met with a lot of, I'm not going to go there, protests from people like Timothy Bradley. Right? You're a gambler. You know better. In fact, now I remember the second takeaway. The second takeaway is that the best bet on the board is going to be the over in a Devin Haney-George Cambosis rematch. Right? I didn't see anything remotely approaching enough power from Devin Haney to knock down George Cambosis. In other words, one of the reasons why a Teofimo Lopez doesn't move as well as Devin Haney is Teofimo is trying to hurt you. 
Devin Haney has made a commitment to movement and rhythm. So Haney's not going for the knockout. George Cambosis would need a compass to find Devin Haney in the ring. You can't knock out a guy who you can't get inside on, who you can't time for long punches from the outside. So Devin Haney right now is solid gold. He's just become undisputed at 135. Let's honor that. That's a significant achievement. And he has an easy payday, <laughs> the rematch, right? So this gives him cover. Let's say Shakur Stevenson comes out of the weeds and says, hey, Devin, when are you going to fight me? Devin could say, look, player, you know what I had to do to become undisputed? <laughs> I had to agree to this contract. And, you know, it's not my fault. They forced me to get this rematch. So I'm going to take this money again in Australia. Right? Just food for thought. By the way, Shakur Stevenson also affiliated with top rank. Right? So you're going to have further consolidation, if that's possible, further big fights at 135. That's how I saw the fight. Let me hear from you. I thought the person who had the best night, other than Devin Haney, was Joe Tessitore. Right? I do hope you stick around for his commentary after the fight finished. Right? It's rare boxing journalism. That's how I see it. Let me hear from you. I hope you leave your thoughts in the comment section of this video. Let us know how you scored the fight. Let us know what you felt Cambosis could have done differently or why you think the rematch will have a different outcome than this first fight. Thanks for stopping by.